you have to learn a lesson that's real hard to learn and most of us don't learn in our Christian walk and that's the lesson of trust faith is an easy lesson trust costs you everything this is the unseen story first-hand accounts that reveal the supernatural reality of God's love when his love leads a remarkable story follows you're listening to Rod's story the gift of trust the unseen story is a nonprofit that relies on financial support from listeners like you Please visit our website, theunseenstory.org, to find out how you can partner with us today. I, I do have many hats I wear and titles, but ultimately and just organically, I'm nothing more than a child of God. I want to share a story with you about Brandon. Give you a little background on uh, just where I come from. I was a 14-year methamphetamine addict and uh, got radically born again in a dope motel in East Dallas. Uh, I wound up going to a place called Teen Challenge for 13 months, and it was a very uh, disciplined um, discipleship uh, program for those that had problems with addictions. And so... After 13 months there, I went to a place called Christ for the Nations. Getting towards the end of my uh, three-year period there, um, I met a girl named Tracy. I'm a single dad with two two girls going to Bible school with nothing but Bible school bills, living with my grandmother, driving my grandmother's car to school and back, and I'm definitely not a candidate for a bride, And uh, but God thought different, and um I'm studying one night in my grandmother's garage, and the phone rings, and it's Tracy's sister. And she says, well, when are you going to ask Tracy out? You know she likes you. And I thought, okay. And so the very next Sunday, I asked her out to go to Brahms with me and my two daughters as a single dad in my grandmother's 1975 Bonneville. And the world would say, that's nuts. But she said yes, and the rest is history. Uh, eight months later, no, I'll take it back, ten months later, we were married. We're just at 30 years old, so I'm thinking, we've got to have some kids. I got two from my previous marriage that the Lord uh, helped redeemed out of that situation. And so, uh, come to find out, uh, Tracy was unable to conceive. Well, one day I'm coming back from Tyler, headed back to Dallas, and the phone rings. And it's my wife, and she's crying. And she says, I'm not pregnant. It was that time of the month, and she's crying. And so I encouraged her, consoled her, and hung up, and I had a very raw conversation with God. And I, I believe God really loves for us to just be candid with him. Looking back on serving the Lord for going on, um, 22 years now, I think I've probably heard the Lord the loudest whenever I've got the loudest with God in regards to just being raw and candid. I'm your child. you got to give me an answer. Not from a place of arrogance, from a place of desperate need of having to know the wisdom of God because you know that that's the only thing that's going to direct your life. And I hung up the phone. I said, God, I may start crying if that's okay. 
phone. I said, God, I need a word for my wife. I need a word. I have one hour and 10 minutes before I pull up in my driveway. And God, I need a word for my wife. And, uh, of course, God, if you get raw with him, he doesn't take the hour and 10 minutes. In about 60 seconds, this is what the Lord said to me in my truck driving back to Dallas. Son, let me ask you something. I said, okay. Would it take more faith for me to heal your wife's womb? Or would it take more faith for you two to raise one of my kids? And I said, Lord, that's a no-brainer. It would take more faith for you, for us to raise one of your kids. And he said, okay. And so I was walking. I said, honey, um, I, I just asked God. I said, I got to have a word for you and for us. And here's what the Lord said. Would it take more faith for him to heal your womb, or would it take more faith for me and you to raise one of his kids? And she just started crying, and she looked at me, and she knew that I wasn't smart enough to come up with anything like that. And she said, that's God. And we knew what that meant. That meant immediately that we were going to step into fostering children to adopt them. And um, so we do the process, man. We get trained, and so we had mediators that were between us and CPS, and they did all the 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 made sure the paperwork was all handled and stuff and we do all the training we get processed we start we start fostering kids what we didn't realize is is and you hear all of the media stuff about cps and stuff and i will say this about the cps system they do exhaust every single avenue to keep the children inside the family they exhaust every avenue and how do i know that because we experience the pain of that of having a child come in, is this the one? Is this the one we're going to get to adopt? Is this the one we're going to get to raise? And so going through several cycles of having to give them back up to the family uh, was very, very, it's like, man, we didn't know that this pain was involved. We thought it was just going to be a joyride. And uh, so all of a sudden, we wind up with two children. And it's, it's amazing because they were full-blown brother and sister, but Landon was as white as a cotton ball, and Braley was as black as coal. And we thought, wow, this is, this is unique, uh, biracial, mom and dad. And uh, it was amazing how God just created them different. We come to the, the realization that we're going to adopt these kids. They're ours. And at the first of the year, we're going to stop start adoption papers. And in 2004... They're going to be our children. We're going to get to raise them. We're going to get to love them. We're going to get to embrace them. We're going to get to see them grow. Basketball, volleyball, it's a boy and a girl. We're going to get to do it all. And uh, on December the 19th, 2003, at 12.03 in the morning, I awaken out of bed just immediately. And it's one of the few times that, and I believe the Bible is very clear that there is a Shekinah weighty presence, Kabod glory of God that is tangible, that we can experience. It's not just Old Testament theology. 
and uh, it's not something that I experience every day. It's something very, very rare in very, very sacred and holy moments that God manifests himself in his Shekinah glory. And he did at 12.03 in my bedroom on December the 19th. And this is what he said. Those children in your house are not yours. Give them up. As, as, as real and as tangible, this wasn't emotion. God was in my living room, presently in my living room, speaking to me just like I'm speaking to you right now. And he says, do not adopt those children. They're not yours. And the first thing I begin to do is rationalize. Wait a minute, God. This is a perfect setup. We can have those, we can, we can have those children in two months. The paperwork done. They're in a good home. Why wouldn't you want them to be in our home? We're going to raise them as Christians. Why? All these things going through my mind. I thought, you know what? I got to get to the Bible. I got to get to the Bible. So I broke my Bible out and immediately wound up. Isaiah 33 32, 33, right in that area, it speaks about it's time to give birth, but there's no strength to push them out. Landon had a very, very severe reflux issue, and we just toiled with that at night. And I just watched my wife lose about 15 pounds just toiling over the last several months, toiling with these two children. And the Lord said, uh, it's time to give birth, but there's no strength to push them out. And I thought, well, you know what, God, I'm glad you told me that. But I am not, and Tracy was in the other room rocking, uh, trying to console Landon because he was having one of those reflux issues, trying to console him, get him back to bed. And I said, well, that's great, God, but you woke up the wrong person. And if you want that woman in the other room to know, I'm not going to tell her. And about mm, 60 seconds later, she comes busting in the door walks headlong right into the Shekinah glory, and this is the first thing out of her mouth, something's not right. And she walks right into the presence of God, and I'm sitting there going, honey, God just said we're not to adopt these children. And uh, I'm glad I married the person that God told me to marry because we were so in tune with this moment and knew that this was God. And as hard as it was, we called up our Christian mediators and said, hey, remember when you guys said if God said anything that we better obey God? And they said, yeah. And they said, well, the Lord woke us up and said we're not supposed to adopt Landon and Braley. And they said, okay. If you believe that that's God, then here's what we'll do. Y'all have a blowout Christmas with them. You love them. You blow out Christmas with them. And the first of the year, while y'all are having a blowout Christmas with them, we'll find a transitional home for them to move into another family. We'll find that for them so it will be a smooth transition. And so we took them to the, the neutral home to drop them off. And we, we dropped them off, and we got into my truck, and my wife slid down in the seat and started kicking the front windshield saying, why, God? Why? Why? And I watched in that moment my wife die. Die to what she wanted. And in moments like that when you're dying to what God wants for your life and you can't understand it, you have to learn a lesson that's real hard to learn, and most of us don't learn in our Christian walk. 
And that's the lesson of trust. It's easy. Faith is an easy lesson. Trust costs you everything. And here's the odd thing about it. God told us to do this, but we didn't get a phone call for months. Silence. Nothing but silence. And then all of a sudden in May 2004, we get a phone call. And, hey, we got this little boy. You want to foster him? And me and wife's like, yeah, we hadn't heard nothing in going on five months. Yes, we want to foster him. Bring him to us. Well, they roll up to the front door. My wife's an RN. They roll up to the front door, and they pull this little baby boy out. He's in a little uh, car seat. Pull him out, and my wife looks at him and says, he's microcephalic. There's something wrong. But he had the biggest blue eyes and the biggest long eyelashes. You, just, you were just mesmerized by his eyes. And I said, well, honey, here's the deal. He's here. We're going to bring him in our home, and we're going to love on him, and we're going to pour as much of God's love into him until it's time for him to go. And they start doing the paperwork, and our Christian mediator says, and when was when is Brandon born? And CPS said, December the 19th, 2003. I think you probably understand uh, what I'm about to say. But the night that God woke me up and told me and my wife not to adopt those children, our son was being born, and he was being born with cerebral palsy. And we knew that we knew that we knew that this was our son. And there is a very, 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 very high probability that he has just ambushed us into raising one of his children. We took him to the best uh, pediatric neurologist, and the way that he inspected Brandon was like he was a specimen or something. Just, yeah, look at here, got this wrong, got this wrong, got this wrong. And then he looked at us and said, so I take it that y'all are thinking about adopting this child? And we said, yeah. And he said, well, I'll let you know, you both are candidates for sainthood if you adopt this child. And my wife picked up Brandon, and she defended Brandon as a mama bear for the very first time. I knew that when we left that doctor's visit that mama was holding her baby. One of the things that he said is this child will never walk and this child will never talk. Well, he had braces on his feet and used a walker. And um, I taught a Sunday school class in a gym. And I told all the Sunday school class that my son's going to run around in this gym in this walker while I preach the gospel. Can I tell you, it wasn't but several months later that uh, Brandon did not need a walker anymore. And we took the braces off his feet and he walks. Now, is he going to run a 4-7 in the 40-yard dash? No, but he walks. Said he'd never talk. I can't get my son to shut up. I've learned more about God, my father, and how much he loves me every time I give my son a shower. Yes, he's going on 16 years old. I have to give him a shower every day. And it's not every time I give him a shower, but the majority of the time I'll hear Brandon say, you know, Dad, I'm going to be a perfect father one day. I said, oh, really, son? 
how do you know you're going to be a perfect father? And he says, because you're a perfect father. If you knew where I come from, my dad walked out when I was two. And here I have my son telling me, telling someone that has no, no grid on how to be a father. He's telling me, I'm going to be a perfect father one day because you're a perfect father. And I said, well, why do you think I'm a perfect father? And he says, well, I'm going to give my son a shower just like you give me a shower. I can't tell you how many things I've learned theologically about the love of God that I never learned in a textbook. I never learned in a three-credit course. But what God could only teach me through my adopted son. I kind of love how God's orchestrated my life and me and my wife's life in a manner in which we're dependent upon him every day. I'm so glad he didn't give us the, the comfortable road. I'm so glad he didn't give us the easy way. I'm glad he didn't give us the white picket fenced American dream in regards to what we think life should be for us. I'm glad he didn't do that. I'm glad he's allowed me and my wife to have to wake up every day and totally depend upon God because we're raising not only our child, but God's child. Thank you for listening. We encourage you to ask Holy Spirit what he wants to say to you through this story. We invite you to partner with us through your God-given resources of time, prayer, and finances. Without your sharing, these stories don't spread to those who need them. Without your prayers, we are limited in what we can do for the kingdom. Without your finances, these powerful stories of God's supernatural love go untold. God has called us to share his stories, and we invite you to be a part of that mission. For more information, be sure to check out our website at theunseenstory.org. 